You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, sponsored by Natural Stacks. This is the show everybody who's into performance and biohacking should listen to. If you want to know more about performing optimally, check out OptimalPerformance.com. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I kind of think in some ways, selfishly, that it should remain a secret because it is such an advantage that I kind of want to keep to myself. Natural Stacks. Natural Stacks. Shout out to the guys over at Natural Stacks. Start optimizing your mental and physical performance. Optimize yourself. All right. Happy Thursday, all you optimal performers, and welcome to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Muncy, and I've got my guest and co-host with me today, John Romanello, uh, better known as Roman. Say hi, Roman. Hello, Roman. (laughs) So, Roman, thanks a lot for hanging out with us today. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let our listeners know how awesome you are. Uh, Roman is a New York Times bestseller uh, for a book that he co-wrote with Adam Bornstein, um, Man 2.0, Engineering the Alpha. These guys actually had Arnold himself. Arnold Schwarzenegger wrote the foreword for this one. Uh, Roman is also a, a former model. He's a writer and uh, entrepreneur, angel investor. Uh, you have one of the coolest bios on Wikipedia ever. Did you write that yourself? Uh, I didn't know. I'm, Wikipedia actually frowns upon you writing your own bio, so I, <laughs> I certainly didn't do that. <laughs> so um, today we're going to get into, uh, we're going to leverage your knowledge. We want to talk about optimizing hormones, eating to optimize performance, and of course, body composition, uh, some brain hacking stuff, and becoming the alpha. Uh, but before we do that, we got to go uh, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, make sure all of our listeners know that on this episode and every other podcast, um, you can find the show notes on optimalperformance.com. That's the blog version of this, uh, along with the video version. So you'll get to see Roman's face. Um, and then uh, we, we want to announce a really cool giveaway that we're going to do for our listeners. We want you guys to go on iTunes and give us a review. Uh, let us know your thoughts on the show. We're going to pick one lucky winner and give away some really cool natural stacks gear. So a lot of the stuff that we talk about on the show, we will send to one lucky winner and uh, you get to test it out for yourself. So uh, with that, we're going to move on to the fun fact of the day. Um, we're going to talk about vitamin D deficiency. So um, vitamin D deficiency affects over 1 billion people. And that means over one third of the population. So one in three people. Uh, that's the old, uh, if you sit in college and you look to your right, look to your left. So somebody that you see has vitamin D deficiency. Now that's a conservative estimate, uh, because the recommended daily allowance is not, uh, as high as what we would want for optimal levels. So if you're not even at the RDA, then you're certainly not at optimal. So, um, that's a good opportunity for you to head on over to naturalstacks.com, pick up some vitamin D from natural stacks. One of the cool things about vitamin D, um, from natural stacks is that as a fat soluble vitamin, it has to be paired with a fat so that it is better absorbed. And we use coconut oil, not some substandard fat that you don't want. So we talk, you hear a lot about extra virgin coconut oil and trying to get more of that in your diet. So that's one of the reasons Natural Stacks is one of the coolest supplement companies on the uh, planet. So with that, we're going to get back to you, Roman, a guy who is in Southern California, soaking up plenty of sunshine, doesn't need to take any vitamin D, do you? Uh, I don't, I don't typically supplement with vitamin D, um, now that I'm in California, but when I lived in, in New York, it was essential, but I, you know, to be honest, I still, vitamin D is one of those why not supplements, right? It's like something everyone should take. And it's, it's even a high quality vitamin D supplement, like natural stacks relative to the other crap that you might be buying. It's, it's so cheap. It's just like, why would you not do that? Um, one thing about vitamin D in particular that people should be aware of is the link between vitamin D deficiency and compromised testosterone production. Um, it's something that, that I take pretty seriously. Testosterone is a huge feature of everything that I do. Um, it, it, vitamin D does a lot for you. And it's, you know, if you can get outside and hang out on the beach for an hour, great. It's free. But if not, you know, the natural stack stuff is high quality. You know, it's already in coconut oil, which is great because you hit your fat macros. And it's effective for a number of reasons, which we can touch on later. Um, well, so. it's almost like you read my mind because our, our very first question that I want to talk to you about, you are huge on optimizing hormones. Uh, this seems yes. to be something that, that's very near and dear to your heart. I think it's really cool because a lot of strength coaches and, and personal trainers out there, it's almost like they miss this boat. It's a very important aspect in health and, and wellness. And, um, you know, 
Tell us why that's so important to you. Well, to me personally, it's something, uh, it, from a professional standpoint, it is, it's something that I deal with with my clients, right? It, it's something that can um, be the difference between high performance and no performance. But um, the reason that I went down that particular rabbit hole is uh, when I was about maybe 25 um, at the time, so it's about eight years ago, I'm, I'm 33 now, uh, I went through a period of uh, very low testosterone relative to where I, I was supposed to be. And I didn't realize that at first. Uh, I had gotten my testosterone levels checked when I was 22. Very, very high testosterone levels, as you tend to have at that age. I was like 890 or in that area. And then I was 25, it was about three years later, high stress, all sorts of messed up things going on. And uh, I was in this relationship with this, uh, this super hot Polish chick who um, had a name like a James Bond villain, which I will not repeat out of respect for her privacy. But um, we were dating for like a year and a half, and then all of a sudden we just stopped having sex completely. And after some reflection, I realized that I was the reason for that. I was not interested in sex at all. And anyone who, who follows me or reads my blog knows that that is atypical for me. I am a man who has dedicated his life to the improvement and acquisition of sex. So um, I spoke to a few people, tried to figure out what was up. My libido is severely compromised, and this led me to look into testosterone. So I got my T-levels checked, and at that point... I believe I was in the, the high 300s, mid 300s, which, and here, here's the problem with this. Um, I had gone from 890, let's say, let's say 900 to 350, let's say. So that's a decrease of more than 50%. That's tremendous in three years. And I was still considered normal yep. because the range for normalcy, what's normal with testosterone, uh, it varies from lab to lab, but typically speaking, it's from about 250 nanograms per deciliter to uh, as high as 1,100 nanograms per deciliter, which means that if you're at 260, you're normal, but if you're at 1090, you're normal. And that range is just so unbelievably tremendous that it cannot help but create difficulties. And what happened with me was that I was still in the normal range, um, not even in the low normal range at, at 350 or so. Um, and unfortunately, it was just, you know, more than a 50% decrease in what I've been normal, uh, what I've been accustomed to for my adult life. And so I began to look into how to increase testosterone um, naturally. At that point, I was very young and looking into pharmaceutical help, uh, hormone replacement therapy. It not only did it not make sense, it was also not medically feasible because, again, I was in the normal range. So I would have had to look into some illicit options. Um, that not being overly desirable, both legally and, and um, physiologically, it made more sense to start looking into ways to increase these naturally. So that, that was about eight years ago. And um, you know, I began to start messing with a lot of things. I got my insulin under control by severely lowering carbs, got a lot more sleep. So I was affecting growth hormone that way, decreased cortisol and a lot of stress. And these things began to affect my testosterone, my libido return in about six weeks and about... Um, but six months later, I get my I got my testosterone levels checked again, and I had gone from 350 to about let's just call it 750. It was like high 700s. Um, so you know, it doubled. Yeah, that's a big jump. So you know, it's it's pretty significant. Yeah, you, and that was how it all started for me. And this is one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about it because you know I, I gave a very abridged version of that story, but the truth is that compromised testosterone. In, and that's just one of, of a one. myriad of hormones. Right. It's just one. Right. Compromised testosterone, like, ruined my life. You know, like, I, that relationship that I was in with the hot polish chick, gone. Um, you know, my general sense of well-being, gone. My social life, gone. You know, just, like, everything. And once I fixed it, everything came back. My life improved by leaps and bounds. And that is something that I, I just take very seriously. I'm sure some of this is in the book, Man 2.0, Engineering the Alpha. Yeah. Uh, so we don't want to give the farm away, but well, what kind of tips can you share with us? What, what were some of the things? I mean, doubling your testosterone naturally in that short a period of time is, is no small feat. So um, what are some things that you did? What are some things that people can can put into their daily life in terms of a routine or a habit now? Sure. 
Well, I think the big thing to realize that when, when we talk about that number doubling, it's it didn't double from baseline, right? It was severely compromised mm -hmm. by a number of things that I was doing. So if you are doing these things, step one is to stop, right? Like right. And, get in a hole, stop digging. And most of our listeners are probably, you know, they, they live the lifestyle that, that you and I live. I mean, they're probably doing a lot of the things that we did or you did that led to sure. that. Yeah. Um, so some things that I was doing at the time, I was, I was burning the candle at both ends. I was a very successful trainer in the New York City area, and I was getting up at 4.30 to train clients at 6, and I would work all day. And then, you know, but sometimes I wouldn't go to bed until like midnight, 2 a.m., you know, and you just can't do that. The interesting thing about sleep is just how fundamentally important it is for all of these various hormones. You know, it's been shown that sleeping six hours per night or less for, ju for just two weeks can decrease testosterone levels by about 15 percent. Right. So yeah. let's just examine what that means. Um, after age 30, testosterone levels in general begin to drop by about 1% per year from baseline. Okay. So that means that by sleeping six hours per night or less for two weeks, you are actually aging yourself with regard to testosterone by 15 years. I was probably sleeping four hours a night and I was probably doing it for a year and a half. Um, so prioritizing sleep was a big one for me. <laughs> right. Um, there are all sorts of interesting things that like tank your testosterone. Interesting studies show that when you get married, testosterone levels go down because this is just a natural reaction to the removal of the testosterone driven need to seek a mate. When you have kids, same thing happens. The need to procreate becomes less of an, uh, an evolutionary sort of um, drive and your body reacts to that. So uh, obviously I'm not telling you to, you know, break up with your girlfriend or not have kids or not cohabitate. But these are these are things that are in there. What you should do is get more sleep. Um, at the time, I had been eating very high protein, very low carb and moderate fat. So I, actually, I was eating high carb and, and moderate fat because I was like sort of trying to bulk. Um, so, so I lowered so more carbs of, considerably. More of the typical bodybuilder type diet. Right, right. So I lowered carbs considerably um, because... Uh, the relationship between testosterone and insulin. So um, insulin can can sort of act as an antagonist to testosterone, not in really production, but in more of effect. Um, it can also have some pretty deleterious effects with regard to your sex life. Um, it, prolonged insulin resistance or chronic insulin resistance can lead to uh, erectile dysfunction. That was not an issue of mine, but it's a scary thing that if you just eat too many don't today is nat uh, national donut day when we're recording this okay you know you, you eat too many donuts and after a while you get insulin insensitive <laughs> or insulin resistant and your dick stop work stops working and that's pretty terrifying if you think yes, about it very um so lowered lowered carbs dramatically and increased fat particularly saturated fat uh coming from animal sources so i went from eating mostly chicken and rice to eating mostly steak and veggies and um that was that was huge that getting more sleep um was was pretty big. You know, it's really interesting that we're going down this road because um, our our previous episode, the one that's going to be right before you, was with Sean Heisen, a friend of yours and a, and you oh, know, a yeah. guy that we both know. He brought to to our attention, and we discussed with him um, the diet that you moved away from, the typical bodybuilder diet where it's mostly protein, carbohydrates, and a little bit of fat. Uh, more of a moderate approach the way you say mm. you used to do, um, where he found that that provided the best results based on scientific studies for sure. the the bodybuilding um, goals, if you will. And that was what we kind of got into where if you are somebody who's been following a paleo type diet or a bulletproof type diet, one of the ones where, like you mentioned, it's more uh, wild game, grass fed meats, veggies, uh, and and typically lower carb for all the reasons that you just mentioned, that the one that Sean presented in his research was almost opposite of what most people are, are talking about now. So, you know, you, you are somebody, you recently blogged about the difference uh, between scientific studies and anecdotal evidence. Right. So how would you reconcile the difference there in those two? Well, I think it's also dependent on like goals, right? And, and lifestyle. I, I would say that most people, most 
people who take bodybuilding seriously and are eating chicken and broccoli, moderate, you know, carbohydrate, low fat. Every bodybuilder I've ever known takes bodybuilding seriously enough to make it a priority. Mm -hmm. And when I was a bodybuilder and I was eating that way and I made it a priority, I had tons of success and no health issues. Where I started to get fucked was when I stopped making bodybuilding the priority and made my business the priority and nothing else changed. Right. So I think for, you know, physique enhancement, one thing works really well, particularly if you're prioritizing physique enhancement in the way that you train and the lifestyle that lends itself to that. But when you are trying to uh, be a high performing human who is trying to like have to build an empire and make a lot of skill, you know, I mean, I was also skipping workouts, right? I, you know, I didn't change my diet, but I was like, well, I have to take all these clients because I got to make money and I have to write all these articles. And your fitness is the, is the thing that goes by the wayside. So I don't think there needs to be a reconciliation between these two disparate ideas. What I think it's that like anything else, there are things which have a higher level of applicability to a certain paradigm and things that have a higher level of applicability to other paradigms. So I think that like, the Tim Ferrisses of the world and the Tucker Maxes of the world who have these high stress jobs who are not doing marathon training sessions for two hours, right. you know, guys like, you know, I'm, I'm now I'm I have a more relaxed lifestyle and I'm, I can train for two hours a day, which I love. Um, but at the time, if I got in 45 minutes, it was, you know, I didn't need 300 grams of carbs to recover from a 45 minute workout. I just didn't. Right. Um, particularly because I'm a little bit carb sensitive. So, Again, I really think it's just I, – I, I just don't see the need to pit things against one another, right? right? Like right. everything works. Everything is merit yeah. under the right set of circumstances. Where we get into trouble is when fitness professionals – and unfortunately, we have a tendency to do this. They start arguing about the 2% of shit that they disagree on instead of understanding that like the 98% of stuff that they that is the same fundamentally is, you know, like where where the happiness is. I mean – and, and that's, that's the big thing. So for me, I don't take a hard line against anything. I think that there are certain lifestyles and training methodologies for which the bodybuilding style diet is supremely effective, exponentially more effective than like, if you're trying to get huge, if you're like a skinny guy and you want to gain mass and you're eating like paleo and it's just like, Oh, well, you know, you're not counting macros. You're not getting enough carbs. It's not going to work. Which is why, you know, these people who are just trying to get huge and shredded and they sleep 10 hours a night and they're posting pictures of their ice cream sundaes and they're doing IIFYM, it works super well for them. Everything works if you do it right and apply it under the right set of circumstances. Yeah, yeah. It's just that simple. Yeah. Know your goals, know your needs, why are you doing it, and, and make sure that, you know, what you're doing is justified by what you're trying to accomplish. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I guess kind of keep going down that road, if you will, with, you know, eating to, to optimize both body composition and performance now that you are in the position that you're in. Because again, a lot of our listeners are, are not just bodybuilders or they're not just business people. They're people who right. they, they want that, that they want the right. best of both worlds. Sure. So I think that for people who just want to be um, supremely effective human beings and aren't just, you know, like what I was trying to do when I was 20, I just wanted to be a shredded meat popsicle walking up and down the beach. <laughs> right. Um, but then, you know, when I was 25, I wanted to, to build an empire. So now I would like to say that I'm walking down the middle of that road. And for me and people like me, I think that a, a natural diet, a mostly paleo style diet, um, which is high in carbohydrates is probably the way to go. So, you know, rather than eating 400 grams of protein per day, I, I think that a more moderate approach 200, which is still quite high by most standards, mm -hmm. Uh, it is more effective for me because I'm no longer trying to build muscle. I have a good physique. I'm walking around at 200 pounds lean. Eating 400 grams of, of protein is no longer necessary at that, this point. That's what I was going to so, ask you is your current body weight. So so that's about – so it's relative to listeners. That's about one gram per pound yeah, of body weight. Yeah, on average. about. I mean if we're really getting exacting, I like to have about 1.25 grams of protein per pound of lean body mass. And then if you're trying to gain mass, I'll scale up a little bit. Um, yeah, but let's just, in most cases, if you're, unless you're terribly lean or terribly fat, it's going to be a gram per pound of body weight. Um, so I think that most people probably just need to follow a very, very basic carb cycling approach for high human performance, right? If you are training, have more carbs that day. And if you are not training, have fewer carbs and more fats that day. 
And it, it can really be that simple. So on days that I don't train, and this is what I recommend for all my clients, particularly the high performance guys, very high fat and almost, you know, and very, very low carbs on days that they're um, not training. And then on days that they train, we drop the fat considerably, the carbs go up, protein stays the same and calories stay the same um, most of the time, unless there's some sort of goal in mind. If they're trying to get, get lean, we'll dial the calories back on non-training days. And if they're trying to gain mass, we'll dial them up on training days. But, um, you know, it's, it's not overly complicated because most people who are in that position, again, the Tim Ferriss's, the Tucker Max's, if I was trying to get down to like 5% body fat again, I would take a very different approach. But 10, 11, 12%, like I can, I can be pretty moderate, hmm. not drive myself crazy, eat a lot of healthy fats, a lot of grass-fed meat, and, you know, get carbs from good sources and be fine. If I want to count macros, I can be a little dirtier in, in my choices and as long as I'm, I'm hitting those macros. But, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not crazy. As far as the, you know, the clean eating versus IIFYM type thing, I'm sure we're not trying to court that debate. But for me personally, I think that you can be lean and shredded uh, eating donuts or ice cream or whatever else as long as it, it does fit your macros. But I think that it it is probably a stretch to say that that will not have some sort of other short-term or long-term ramifications, either hormonally, digestively. For me, it's always digestively. Like, okay, I can get shredded if I hit my macros and eat donuts and ice cream, but I'm going to be in the bathroom an hour a day. And that's, I don't have time for that. Um, and I think a lot of other people are like that. I know someone, you know, she's a, a big IFYM person. She's got all of these, you know, like clients who are doing re really well. Um, but she's got, you know, she's constantly complaining to me about her skin problems and, um, you know, she's on Accutane and all these other things. And, and that's a terrible thing to go through. And I'm not belittling that experience. That has to be truly difficult, but it's interesting to me that there are a lot of people in that community who experience things like that. She's not the only one I know. And no one stops and thinks like, maybe if I just didn't put all this shit in my body, right. that wouldn't happen, you know, because yeah. anecdotally, you know, you hear less so now, but when paleo first started to gain traction, all of the anecdotal things you heard were about people. I have more energy. My skin looks amazing. Like the bags under my eyes went away. Yeah. And it's maybe it's not so much because what you are eating, but what you have stopped eating and stopped putting in your body. And, you know, it's funny if you stop putting toxins in your body doesn't have to, you know, expel them out yeah. somewhere. Right. And again, I, I'm a cheat day guy. I have no fucking problem with ice cream. I have no problem <laughs> with donuts. I have no problem with In-N-Out Burger. Eat whatever you want. I just think that it's probably a little ignorant to assume that you can subsist entirely on that and you're going to feel the same. You might look the same or just as good or better, but you're not going to feel the same, not going to perform as well um, as uh, as you would on a on a diet where you are not eating those things. I just think that's that's probably the case. So can I prove it? No. Do I have a study? No. If you're one of those PubMed trolls who's going to ask me to back that up with a study... <laughs> I don't have one. Don't waste my time. Your email will not be answered. I'm just saying I have a brain and I use it and I've seen the results. Yeah. So I want to know what Roman's brain can concoct for a cheat day. But <laughs> before we, before we do that, we're going to pause real quick. Um, sure. Hang on just a second. Um, okay. So what is a cheat day for you or, or, or tell us, tell us how you structure them, what you do. Um, I know um, at one point you, you fasted the day after. Do you still do that? Oh, so I'm not, I'm not doing a lot of cheat days anymore. So for me, a cheat day is part of a dietary strategy that is intended to accelerate fat loss. And the way that that looks for my clients who are doing it is that on the, they'll generally eat pretty low calories for a week or two, and then they'll have this cheat day. And the reason for that is that when you are eating low calories, leptin levels drop. Leptin is a master hormone. It is produced in the fat cells, and it is responsible in part for the production of thyroid hormones T3 and T4. So it's a regulatory hormone, and it affects the rate of metabolism by virtue of production of those hormones. Uh, leptin, is, leptin production is um, influenced by two things. First, the amount of fat that you have, because again, it's produced in the fat cells. So the more fat you have, the higher your leptin levels are and the higher T3 and T4 will be, which is, which is why it's super easy to lose fat when you have a ton of fat. And that's why fat people can lose the first 50 pounds quicker than the last five. Mm -hmm. the, the leaner you get, the lower your baseline leptin levels are. 
And then the other thing that affects leptin is um, energy intake. And so the lower your energy intake is, the more leptin levels will be compromised, like when you're on a diet. Mm -hmm. And so I take advantage of this. My clients tend to eat pretty low calories for a week or two. Leptin levels drop. They lose as much weight as they can via that energy manipulation. And then we pop it back up with a cheat day and leptin levels get upregulated and then we do it again. So the cheat day has psychological benefits as well. Sure. I mean, it's very easy to stay incredibly strict on a diet if you're like, all right, I only have to make it till Sunday and then I'm going to go watch the game and eat wings and burgers and, and just like crush it. Um, and I think that there's, there's merit there. I think that, that like, it's pretty effective. Um, having said that, I really think a cheat day is only truly beneficial in the presence of that compromised and, and, and very restricted, um, caloric intake. Mm -hmm. And so it's really only effective on a diet. People are like, Hey, I'm, I'm on this mass gaining program. Can I still do a cheat day? And no, that's just being fat. <laughs> right. Um, so as to the structure, uh, the way that I always did it was that I would have my cheat day on a Sunday and then Monday I would fast completely. This is called the feast fast method. Um, it does accelerate fat loss a little bit, but the, the reason for it, the reason that it, the genesis of the idea was ultimately to offset digestive aftermath. I have a big appetite. I eat a lot on a cheat day and then the next day would be horrendous. And I thought it's probably better to put no food inside my body for the next day and let everything kind of like clear out. And I'll just deal with being hungry. And so that, you know, really began to work itself into everything that it was doing and became really effective. And um, so that's the feast fast, method. feast fast method. Okay. I am no longer doing a lot of cheat days because I'm not trying to lose fat. Right. So again, for me, uh, I, a cheat meal once per week is fine. And usually then it's like a social event. So if I'm going out, you know, if it's date night or, um, you know, if, if, I want to go to the movies and I'm like, well, I'm here. I'm going to eat these milk duds, you know, and I, it'll, it'll just sort of be like, that's fine. Right. But most of the time I eat pretty clean. Um, but when I was doing cheat days, um, for, for fat loss, my, they would get pretty epic. And, uh, you know, in New York city where I was living at the time, you know, it would start with like a big, like brunch, you know, like pancakes and, and, and whatnot. And then, you know, well, usually I would go to the gym first in the morning and have my post-workout shake and then go right to brunch and have, you know, eggs, a lot of protein, pancakes, and then, you know, um, usually cheat days were always on Sundays. And so from there, I'd make my way over to the bar where the Jets game was on. And, you know, when you're, when you're a Jets fan, you just constantly have to console yourself with either food or alcohol. There's no in-between. There's just, there's just you feeling sorry for yourself and hating the Jets for making you like the Jets. <laughs> um, and so we'd go to the bar and we would, you know, like crush wings all day and, and you know, nachos and whatever. And then usually dinner... I'd walk back down the street. There's a great restaurant in New York City on the corner of 45th Street and 9th Avenue in Hell's Kitchen called Southern Hospitality, uh, co-owned by Justin Timberlake, interestingly. Gary Vaynerchuk did the wine list. Very nice place. Uh, so it's a, but it's a barbecue joint. Right. And we would go in, and we would get, like, fried chicken and waffles. Have a great. So cheat day would be, like, not, not a lot of clean food in the cheat day. It would be, like, what are the things I've been craving all week, and how do I get them all? Um, so you can see how that would lead to some tummy trouble the next step. Yes. Yes. So, um, intermittent fasting, is that something that you do? Don't do still? No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of intermittent fasting. I, I like all of the methods. Um, how do you Brad, set yours up? I'm sorry. How do you set yours up? Most of the, most days, um, I'm just doing uh, a pretty standard, um, 16-8 protocol, so 16-8, a.k.a. the lean gains method, popularized by Martin Birkin, a uh, Swedish nutritionist over at leangains.com. Um, so the way that works for me is my first meal is at like two or three after I, uh, after I train. And then I have an eight-hour eating window where I try to hit my macros, and uh, then my last meal is, is at night. Um, and theoretically it should be before I go to bed, but it's at like 10 or 11 and then I stay up writing and watching cartoons or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, I, you know, I, I tend to sleep pretty late. Like I get about eight or nine hours every night. Um, so, or I get eight or nine hours. A lot of times it's like two shifts of five hours, but. Okay. So, um, you know, you mentioned training before you eat. Do you take any supplements at all before you train any pre-workouts, anything like that? Not a big pre-workout guy. 
Um, personally, I don't, I, I've, I, so I don't know. Like, I think a lot of people just take them for the energy or, or the pump, which is great. I mean, if something gives you a good pump and you like that, awesome. Um, the supplements that I take, excuse me, <clears throat> well, supplements that I take on a regular basis um, will vary based on goal. Um, hold on, let's see if I have anything I can show you. Um, so this is, uh, this is Invigorate Now. I'm not sure if we can do product placement here. This is a um, buddy of mine owns this company, um, sent me some free stuff. It's good. It's not a pre-workout. It's just like a general like energy fat loss thing. Uh, I, as you can see, I'm wearing an Onnit sweatshirt. I work with those guys. Um, you know, full disclosure, they send me free stuff. I take their products. I'm a big fan of, uh, of Hamforce, which is usually my post-workout shake. And um, they, they, there's a, they have a pre-workout that's called T-Plus. I just I don't remember to take it. It's good. But, um, yeah, most of the stuff I take is more like lifestyle at this point. You know, when I was younger, it used to be like fat burners. And now I'm just like, you know, I take vitamin D3. I take fish oil, mm -hmm. MCT oil. Mm -hmm. Um, what else am I taking? Branch chains, creatine. Uh, I do creatine. I don't tend to do branch chain amino acids anymore because I just eat so much goddamn protein. <laughs> um, creatine, I get again. Creatine is one of those why not supplements. Right. You can get like six months worth of creatine for like thirty dollars. Why would you not just put it in everything? Right. Like, you know, sprinkle it in your ice cream if you have to. Um, what else? Anything else? Um, uh, curcumin or turmeric. You know anti-inflammatory stuff, just health. I'm not exciting anymore. I used to have a whole supplement regimen yeah. that I took at different, you know, like different times. And this one helps me metabolize protein and this, you know, like now I'm just like. Yeah. And that's, that's you know. very much the natural stacks audience. It, it's people looking, you know, they're, they're, they're not the bodybuilders. They're not the, Hey, I want the super rhino, no pump, you know, all that stuff. It's, uh, right. You know, all the natural stacks products are five ingredients or less, no proprietary labels. Everything is, you know, it's open source. So, um, you know, they have a protein, a creatine and a branch chain that, um, you know, work well for people who want to lift, want to recover, but don't necessarily want to look, you know, like a competitive bodybuilder, um, like you said. So, right. Yeah. Um, okay. So you mentioned sometimes you're staying up late at night writing. Do you mm -hmm. find yourself most creative and, and most ready to write later in the day? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm a true night owl. Um, you know, my magic time is, um, my lifestyle is very different than it used to be, but my magic time historically has always been like as early as 10 PM, usually around midnight, um, uh, to about 4 AM is really when I'm, I'm the best. Um, I have, change things a bit now. Um, I can get into a groove in the mid middle of the day and I'm, and I'm okay in the morning. Um, so for me, it really, the best time is like 1am to 4am. Okay. Um, and if I'm, on, you know, when I was writing my book, if I'm on, like, that's, I, and you know, I don't apologize for that. I just like when it is. Right. And, um, so if I have to, if I have to stay up till five, pass out at six, you know, I'm, I'm happy to do it because that's what helps me create. Right. So do you do anything to help get into that zone, take anything, drink anything, or is it just kind of, uh, yeah, no, I will, I will literally put anything in my body if it helps me produce. I'm a very, very healthy guy. Yeah. Um, but if, uh, if I need to like, if I, if I, if, if someone told me taking black or heroin would like help me write another bestseller, I would do it. Um, so in that because, sense, I mean, you're, you're the ultimate biohacker in that sense. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Like I, you know, I just, you know, Charles Bukowski said, find what you love and let it kill you. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that's true. You know, like what I, what I love, what I truly enjoy more than anything else is writing. And, um, you know, I, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was 18 years old and I've had a, an on and off prescription first Ritalin and then Adderall. So I have Adderall. I don't use it for that purpose. When I, when I need to write, I will 100% take Adderall as a performance enhancing drug. Um, and I'll, you know, take it for a week straight and then I'll take three weeks off or whatever. Um, I have recently started playing around with Provigil or uh, Modafinil. Mm -hmm. Um, it's okay. I, you know, it, you don't need to sleep as much on it. It's not, you, it's not, you get no crash. It's not in a big, like up and down type drug. It's just a little bit, uh, a, a little bit of smooth energy. Um, a lot of alpha brain. Um, and as far as drinking, uh, yeah, man, fucking bourbon, you know, just 
straight up whiskey to the dome. I'm very Hemingway about the whole thing. I, I'm absolutely fine with the fact that, you know, one day uh, at the, the absolute moment I finish my, my great novel, someone may find me dead on the floor and I'm okay with that. Okay. So, everything else I do in terms of keeping myself healthy is to allow me to get there, you know? Um, so that's just how it is. Uh, I want to know what's your favorite bourbon. My favorite bourbon. Um, I have had the pleasure of trying Pappy Van Winkle, um, which is it's it's like the Rolex of bourbons, I guess. Um, very good. Uh, but in terms of like a regular, just like mid range drinking bourbon, I like Bullet very much. Uh, Four Roses is fantastic. Um, Jefferson's Ocean is very good. It's actually aged on a boat. Hudson is a fantastic little distillery in New York City, which I like a lot. Hudson is very good. And um, I don't know. Anytime you want to just go slumming and, and drink something cheap, I think Makers is a solid, solid choice. Like I, I don't, I wouldn't put Makers in a cocktail, but if someone wants to take shots, I think Makers is fine. Um, yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, we actually, in, on, you guys can see on the shelf yeah. back here, we have Bullet. We've got Barter House. That was recently a gift. And we also have a, an 18-year Macallan for our guests who are interested in scotch. Okay. So. Okay. Um, well, yeah. we had to take that little detour because, you know, we may have some bourbon aficionados that listen. But, uh, sure, yeah. But let's go back to, you know, you mentioned the, the prescription for Adderall. How do you notice or, or, or can you make any kind of comparisons, you know, taking Adderall to write versus some kind of nootropic, you know, whether it's ProVigil or... Um, you know, we, we're going to, by the way, we're going to send you some dopamine brain food and some Siltep that you can play with. Cool. Um, is it oral or do you want me to snort it or do I put it in my rectum? Just tell me how to take it. I'll do it. Whatever. Oral. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, I definitely notice a different effect with each of these things. Uh, modafinil, I notice a very slow climb and then sort of level for a long time. Um, so you get a full day out of, out of, uh, 200 milligrams of modafinil. Um, not as awesome for writing as I hoped it would be pretty good for administrative tasks. Like makes me a good CEO. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. definitely does. Like I can take it, I can come in, we have meetings. I'm like, Oh, here are some good ideas. Let's start to execute really good for that. I do not feel it has made me a creative. It's not, it doesn't make me creative. Yeah. To, to me, a lot of these, you need to look at the mechanism of action and try to match that to your tasks or your, your goal for the day. And the last I spoke with people who were in the know, the mechanism of action of ProVigil or Modafinil was not exactly known, but to me, right. it's on that dopamine pathway where you're, Hey, I want to get this done. I want to do this. I want to do this. So if you, if you need to be bouncing around and doing a lot of things, like you said, the CEO day, um, right. It's good. Probably for that. It's very good for that. Um, Adderall super great for writing as long as you have a great editor. Um, I have found myself sometimes going off on these tangents when I'm writing. Cause you just like take an idea on Adderall and you just run with it. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you've got these 2000 words that have nothing to do with what you were talking about. And, but it's great. It's usually very good. And you're like, I'm really, cause it's something that's been marinating in the back of your head. There's something about Adderall that pulls stuff you've been thinking about to the forefront and allows you to just focus on it for a while. Um, and, um, so it's good for that. If you can, if you have someone to help you stay on task or something to help you stay on a very specific task, Adderall can be great. Yeah. Um, I, I hate to, I, so other stuff like alpha brain uh, alpha brain is like a good mid road between them. Um, I think the standard recommended dose for alpha brain is two capsules. Um, so alpha brain for anyone who doesn't know is a, is a product produced by on it. Um, I love it. Uh, I was buying it before they started giving it to me for free. It's got alpha GPC and a uh, AC 11. Yeah. It's um, two capsules. I typically go a little bit higher. I start with four and then I take two um, every six hours to maintain. Um, so why not? I'll wind up taking like eight per day. Um, I also have a very high tolerance because I fuck around with brain drugs. Um, but, um, that I, I feel like not really great for coming up with new ideas, but good for, for execution and staying, staying on task. Good. It's a good CEO type thing. Not, not a great, like creative thing. Um, what I will say is that 
no brain drug I have ever tried has ever made me more creative, has ever given me new ideas. None of them. And in, as a matter of fact, they keep me so focused that I feel like I don't get any new ideas while I'm on them, which is why I take them so sparingly. Mm -hmm. So I, I know I'm being a, a bit flippant about the use of brain drugs, but just to be clear and so you guys know that you're dealing with a professional here and not someone who is just like a rampant idiot, um, although I've been called worse, is at the absolute most, I wind up taking these types of things twice a month on average. Um, and then if I'm in the middle of a big product, a uh, project, probably maybe twice a week during that time. So like when I was running my launch, I was on Provigil probably three days out of 15 uh, and Adderall maybe two or three days out of 15 and alpha brain, all of the rest. And now that has ended and I'm going to be clean for the next two months. Cause I just, there will be no need. Um, but when I'm not taking them, I'm more creative. I come up with new ideas um, more often. And I, that, I think, has more value than anything else. But the greatest idea without execution is worthless. So, um, you know, obviously, for I was a productive writer and an and entrepreneur for years before I ever got my hands on any of these things. But uh, I will say that they help. Well, and... I hate that we weren't able to get you Siltep or the dopamine brain food before we recorded this, but uh, I would really love to to be able to hear your sure. comparison of Siltep, um, you know, to these other ones. But from my experience, you know, Siltep is definitely one that uh, it helps you stay focused on whatever that task is that you're doing. Uh, but the cool thing about Siltep is that it, it is designed to not only be a, a focusing agent, but a long-term brain health agent, something that can be taken on a daily basis. Um, for a lot of people who have ADD, it has been uh, taken uh, and, and they're actually able to replace their prescription medications with it. Now, I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I can't say to do that, but sure. an anecdotal evidence. So Siltep, it's unlike any other nootropic. It's a simple, all natural formula, and, and it works by increasing the number of messenger systems inside of your brain cells. So it enables neurons to quickly communicate with each other uh, and you can retain information. It's gonna make you feel more engaged and efficient at, at whatever mental task you might be doing. Um, it enhances your mental capacity. You don't have to rely on, on uh, external or, or, or you're not actually altering neurotransmitter levels. Um, and I think that's very important for long-term brain health. Um, yeah. and, it acts inside of the cell to naturally strengthen connections between the neurons, promoting uh, and improving um, learning, memory, cognitive function. Um, and like I said, it, it has an open source formula. So you know exactly what you're taking. You know the exact amounts of all of the ingredients. There's only five ingredients. Um, the formula was actually community developed over several years with thousands of different computer coders um, experimenting and, and posting their results in an actual forum um, on the internet before it was ever released as a finished product. Wow. Yeah. So like I said, that's what uh, we'll send you some. Um, That'd be great. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm so, looking forward to it. Um, but um, it, it, it's it it helps to potentiate long term um, coding and and recollection. You know, making memories and things like that. So um, it can help make you smarter the more you take it. Um, that is uh, that's very interesting to me. I'm a big fan of becoming smarter. Yeah. Although um, I will say, memory has never been my issue. I have a very interesting relationship with memory. Um, I have a a near eidetic memory for anything that I read. Um, I can recall most conversations with startling accuracy. Um, the only thing that I cannot remember is my schedule. Like literally I have to, I had to be reminded three times today about this podcast. Really? No, I cannot. I just can't, can't get my schedule together. No idea. Um, so Jeffrey's the man. Yeah. Je yeah. Jeff is like, okay. you know, he's, He's the guy. Okay. But uh, unfortunately, well, fortunately, Jeff is so good that I just promoted him. So now we have to find a new person for Jeff's old job of making sure I don't break anything. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it's it's very interesting. I can recall, you know, entire passages from books I read when I was eight years old. I have an unbelievable affinity for near perfect recall of um, historical stuff. And I am probably better at movie quotes than anyone you've ever met in your life. Uh, so I'm so good at it that um, anytime anyone misquotes a movie, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. Okay. But again, 
no idea where I'm supposed to be at any given time huh? at all. And also like, uh, ever since I started using like GPS to get around, I'm horrible with directions. I used to be awesome. Used to, I have a great sense of direction in the wilderness. I was a boy scout. I like mm-hmm. can do all that stuff, but like driving on the streets of LA, yeah. nothing. Yeah. I got nothing. You know, I, I think it's it's cool that you are hyper aware of how your brain works, what your strengths and weaknesses are, because as as an optimal performer, no matter what you're trying to do, you need to know your strengths and weaknesses so you, that you can play to those strengths. And, you know, as you've done with uh, whether it's a, a secretary or a scheduler or whatever you want to call them, you know, you, you, you put things in place that shore up your weaknesses. Yes. I, that, I, yeah. The, the, I think that Probably this, the biggest, I don't know if this will be super relevant to the people listening to this podcast, but maybe there's some business people or fitness professionals. Or I think that the single biggest thing that people can try to do is overcome their weaknesses. Um, don't, don't spend too much time doing shit you're not good at because you're probably not ever going to be good. Like obviously self-improvement and self-edification is super important, but like by the time you're 30 years old, you pretty much know if you're just not good at math. Don't do it. Just have someone do your, don't do your accounting. It's stupid. Just pay someone to do that for you. Um, you know, I'm obviously not, I, I, I have interviewed a lot of people for a lot of jobs and it's amazing to me that on a hundred percent of applications I've, I've read the term detail oriented has popped up. Who are all these detail oriented people? I've literally never said that about myself. I am not detail. I'm the opposite of detail oriented. Right. I am big picture. Yeah. I am a visionary. Yeah. I will come up with great ideas and I will help get them started. And then after two weeks, I'm going to get bored and I'm going to pass it off to someone else or yep. it'll never get finished. Yeah. You know, I just like, I can't, I, I don't have the attention. I can, I'm I, not a detailed person. I totally relate to that because that's definitely how my brain works too. So, um, okay. Well, let's count that as your first tip. Don't try to overcome your weaknesses. Sure. Okay. So, Ever. so now we, we close every podcast here with three tips. That'll be your first one. So, so give us two more tips uh, that can help our listeners perform at their highest level. Um, obviously get enough sleep, but, uh, I think this is, this is another more lifestyle one. I really think just say no to things you don't like, just, just don't do it. It's going to suck out your, your time and your energy. And in the end, you're probably not going to be that much better for it. Um, you know, I, I have this tip that I give people. It's like, you should find something that you hate and do it every single day for 30 days. And then if you still hate it, never do it again. Because in my experience, I have found that a lot of times people think they hate something, but what they actually hate is the fact that they're bad at it. And once you get over that suck threshold and you're like, you have a baseline level of mediocrity, you no longer have the emotional attachment to that. I hate it because I suck at it. Then you can make an objective decision about whether or not you actually just like, don't like it. Um, and so I think that trying to figure that stuff out, embracing the stuff you suck out for very short sprinty periods of time is important. And then if you don't like it or you're not good at it or it's not for you, just never, ever, ever do it again because you're not, it's going to make you so miserable. Saying no is the most liberating thing you can do. It increases productivity. It increases happiness. It makes your relationships better. And you know, it, like you're going to enjoy it. You, you know, like, right. Everyone's afraid to say no. Cause like nobody wants to be a dick. But when you start saying no and you get good at it, you're going to love it. People are going to be like, hey, do you want to go see a play tonight? And you're like, nope, I don't like Broadway. I'm not doing that. Instead, I'm going to go home and rewatch season one of Game of Thrones because I'm confused as hell about all the things that are going on in season five or whatever. So say, so that's another tip. Say no to things you don't like. Like really be aggressively protective of your time. Mm-hmm. And um, – and here's another, I, this, I don't know, I'm, I'm just sort of like on a self-development kick, so I'm giving you things that are probably not really um, cogent in a, like a fitness way, but what I think is this. I think this is the last tip, and it's do the right thing. Every, every decision that comes across your desk, every single choice you make is an opportunity to show your quality. It's an opportunity to be the kind of person that you want to be. And I think that most people, they really get caught up in these, like in the minutia of decision-making when in actuality, most big decisions are very simple. If you do not know what to do, just step back and do the right thing. Do the one that most people who were not involved in the situation 
would say that's the right thing to do. Or if most people you know are assholes, do the one that they say you didn't have to do that, but it's amazing that you did. Like always be the bigger, like just go out of your way to do the right thing, to be a good man, to be a good woman, to be a good person. And um, I think that if you do that, you create a life of hardship for yourself. But it's hardship that comes at the cost of uh, consistently feeling good about yourself. And I, I think that that is worthwhile. If feeling like you've done the right thing, if never having like to live a life of regret or like feeling like you did something shitty, you know, if if that comes at the cost of like life being harder, I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the, the fact of the matter is you will learn this if you haven't. If you have young people listening to this podcast, understand this now. Uh, there's a couple of quotes that you've probably heard. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Um, no good deed goes unpunished. Those are two that you're familiar with. One that you might not be familiar with is is this. And it's a, remor- a startling percentage of problems in your life will arise as a direct result of trying to do the right thing. Do it anyway. Always do the right thing. Just try to do the right thing and you'll never be unhappy because even when you're miserable, at least you know you did the right thing. I think that's great advice. I think that's great to close on. Roman, thank you so much for your time. Before we let you go, um, we want to make sure all of our listeners know where they can find more of you. So if they sure. if they want to join the Roman Empire, where do they go? Uh, yeah, so I'm, I happen to be all over the internet. Um, the easiest way is at romanfitnesssystems.com. That is the main hub for me and all of the fitness-related content. Um, but if you're interested in some shenanigans, I'm all over social media. I am uh, facebook.com slash John Romanello. Instagram, at John Romanello. Twitter, at John Romanello. Um, or just, you know, Google John Romanello, and I'm sure... Is, don't go to the images. Don't, don't do an image search. I promise you'll see my nipples. But um, instead, go to the articles, and you'll find some good stuff. So, uh, But thank you, Ryan, so much for having me. Thank you, everyone at Natural Stacks. This was great. I, I appreciate you letting me come on and, and uh, drop my own brand of idiocy. So well, thanks very much. We've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you for, for spending some time with us. You got it, man. Looking for a way to change your life. You got it. You've been listening to Optimal Performance Podcast. Remember, you can find show notes for every episode along with video version at optimalperformance.com. And also remember, Optimal Performance Podcast loves your five star ratings. So head on over to iTunes, show us some five star love. And not only will we read those reviews on the show, but you will be entered into a raffle to win some free Natural Stacks goodies. See you next Thursday.